You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Four. Jim felt like his entire world had been turned inside out. It seemed like he was flying through a tunnel lit with bright lights and colors. His ears were filled with a strange white noise, except that he wasn't sure he actually had ears. He had no sense of how long the tunnel was or where he actually was. He couldn't even lift his hand up in front of his eyes since he couldn't find neither his hand nor his eyes. As suddenly as it had begun... It all ended. He, Feline, and Rhea stood on Market Street right outside his house. Jim staggered, and Rhea let go of his hand. Next to him, he saw Feline doing the same thing. What? Jim began, but had to cut himself off. When he suddenly was overwhelmed by a wave of nausea, he doubled over and gasped before throwing up into the gutter by his own front door, barely missing his feet. Feline made gagging sounds and leaned on the wall, but seemed to be able to keep her dinner down. When Jim finally was able to straighten up, Rhea looked at him with an embarrassed look on her face. I guess I should have mentioned that people usually take it pretty hard when I teleport them. It's actually the first time I've teleported two people along with me at the same time. You might have mentioned that, yeah. Jim coughed and pulled out a handkerchief from his pocket to wipe his mouth. Very interesting experience, though. Yeah, fantastic, Feline said in a sulky voice. I'm just glad I didn't throw up on my feet. I really am sorry, Rhea said. Maybe you adjust better to it because of the cat thing. You're actually the first one who hasn't been sick from the trip. Really? This information seemed to cheer Feline. I'm the best? Look, Jim said. Whoever is best doesn't really matter. We should get inside before anyone notices you. You're not exactly dressed to blend into a crowd. Relax, Philip Marlowe. There's no one around. It's the middle of the night. Do you think I would just put us down in a crowd of people? I have no idea what you'd do. Fair enough. But you're right. If you've got coffee inside, let's go in and talk. Jim led the way to the front door unlocking it and leading them into the hall. Mercedes will have gone home hours ago, but check if Andrew is still in his office, Jim said to Feline. Rhea, this way. Jim led Rhea to the office, sitting her down in the same chair Inspector Charles had sat in the day before last. Let me get you some coffee, then. How do you take it? Tall, white, double sweet, like my men? Rhea winked at him and Jim felt a strange sensation in his stomach. 
He wasn't unused to be flirted with, but it usually didn't have much of an effect on him. This time, though, he almost tripped over his own feet as he went through the door to the kitchen and the coffee machine. Fleen returned with Andrew in tow. The former agent looked tired but pleased to see them. I was about to head home for the night. What are you guys doing back? We brought the thief with us. We're going to sit down and have a little talk with her. You mean interrogate her? No, I mean have a talk. Turns out she's just as much in trouble as some of her other clients. We're going to try to help her. Coffee? Andrew took the cup Jim handed him and they all went back to the office. Rhea had gotten up from her chair and was looking at one of the bookshelves in the room. You're quite the reader, Jim. They're mostly for reference, actually. Here's your coffee. Let me introduce you to my associate, Andrew Picard. When Andrew reached out a hand to shake Rhea's, Feline whispered, Careful. She might teleport you away. Andrew's hand froze. But Rhea held up her other hand as if swearing an oath. Relax. I promise not to teleport anyone else without asking first. I appreciate that, Andrew said shook her hand and settled down in his usual chair. Now, why don't you tell us how we can help you? Jim sat down behind his desk. Rhea looked around at the three others. Her smile was warm, but her dark eyes were serious. I feel like I'm in Baker Street to see Holmes and Watson. All right, you asked for it. Here's the story. She sipped her coffee before beginning. As you might have realized by now... I'm not exactly your everyday woman. I don't want to go into a lot of details about my childhood, but let's just say that I was sick a lot, that my parents slowly figured out that there was something wrong with me, I'm talking about my ability to move things with my mind here, and got pretty scared. I was in and out of hospitals at first, and when that didn't work, they tried to find... Alternative ways of getting rid of the powers. When I was seven years old, they found a rather odd duck of a doctor who claimed to be able to help me. They trusted him, left me in his care, and went home. Pretty soon after that, they were told that I had a rare blood disease and that I was dying. They got to visit me one more time, during which I was pretty heavily drugged and a few days later they were told I had passed away. Rhea spoke lightly, but it was clear that the topic was a hurtful one. Her knuckles on the hand that held the cup were turning white. The doctor had decided that the source of my abilities lay in my blood. He figured that if I was legally dead, he could pretty much do what he wanted with me. My parents, I'm sorry to say were probably happy to see me go. I was more than they had bargained for. They were totally normal people and weren't prepared for a girl who could lift the fridge with her mind. So you're a mutant? Andrew asked. You're born with your powers? Not all of them, though. I'm getting to that. Cool. This is like in that movie about the X-Men, Feline said. Not exactly. Rhea set her eyes on Feline for a moment before continuing her story. The doctor, who, by the way, was called Hounslow, 
decided to experiment with my blood. He would extract it, expose it to radiation and chemicals, and then inject it into me again. I got violently sick many times, lost weight. But since he usually kept me doped with drugs, I barely remember any of it. Suffice to say, at one point the combination of my own powers, the drugs, and whatever he had put inside my bloodstream, had turned me into what I am today. I was able to move myself from place to place with the power of my mind. I could lift even heavier things with my mind, throw them around, and my reflexes were faster than most other people's. In fact, I think Feline here is the first person I've ever met who is faster than me. She pointed to Feline, who smiled broadly. Hounslow had big plans to train me and sell my services as an assassin. However, a nurse working in the institute where he kept me had slowly put the pieces together. And one day, she liberated me. She smuggled me out of the institute and we ran away, changed our names and went underground for years. Hounslow moved heaven and earth to find us. But that's not easy when your target can teleport. Even though back then my range was only a mile or so, it proved an efficient way of escaping the few times Hounslow's goons almost had us. Rhea drank a mouthful of coffee and licked her lips. And if you're wondering, my range today is substantially bigger than a mile. I had already figured as much, Jim said. Just considering that we jumped from the museum and back here. Oh, Andrew, remind me to pick up my car tomorrow. I can bring you back, Ryu said, but Jim held up his hand. No thanks. I'd rather spend an hour in the back of Andrew's motorcycle than go through that again. Right. I really am sorry. Never mind. Continue. I grew up having as much of a normal life as the nurse, who now for all intents and purposes was my mom, could provide me with. I went to school. I did sports and watched TV. But I also secretly trained my abilities. They grew stronger when I got older, and the more I trained, the more I was able to manipulate. Rhea ran a hand through her hair in a gesture that should imply casualness, but did not. I began training my new power as well, which strained my health a little. Teleporting is actually really hard work. It should be impossible, Andrew said. The Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle doesn't apply here. Rhea cut him off. I'm not being taken apart in a million pieces. This isn't some science fiction movie where they have machines to teleport people. My own personal theory is that I sort of sidestep the world. I cease being there and instead I am here. You cross into a different dimension? Andrew looked intrigued. Honestly, does it matter? Jim asked. Please go on. You trained your powers? Yes. We lived a while outside. Well, I'm not going to tell you where. So I had plenty of privacy. When my mom was at work, I could practice all I wanted. When I turned fifteen, I was able to lift a car and teleport from one end of our land to the other. She drank from her cup. Of course... This meant that my so-called normal life also began taking a back seat. I went to less and less sports, stopped seeing the few friends I had. I became a loner. 
When I was 17, my mom lost her job. Cutbacks to the hospital she'd worked at for years meant that we now had absolutely no income. So, I became the family provider. By stealing? Feline asked. I know how you feel. You do? Rhea looked surprised. My dad used to make me get stuff from... Let's not lose focus here, Jim said, looking at Feline. You can tell your life story to Rhea later, Feline. Sorry. Feline curled up on the couch with an insulted look on her face. Well, she's right, Rhea said. I began stealing. My mom knew about it, of course, and even though she didn't exactly approve, I think we both understood that it had to be that way. At first it was temporary, just while she looked for a job, but it went on and on. I got very good at what I did. Alarms can't stop someone who can jump past them or disappear in the blink of an eye. I stole money at first and later moved up to items. Art, old weapons, that sort of thing. There are lots of people who will pay through the nose to acquire something. It went on like that for years, until... Until what? Jim found that he kept staring at Rhea as she spoke. He found it hard to take his eyes off her. Until a guy contacted me a few months ago. He wanted me to steal something fairly useless in my book. Apples. Actual apples from a tree in Norway. I agreed, thinking he must be insane, but who am I to judge, right? I went to Norway, found the tree, which was standing in some kind of ancient temple or shrine, and returned with them. It took me a few days. I can't teleport across the globe, so I had to take a plane. And when I got back, my mom was gone. Kidnapped. She put her cup down and looked straight ahead. Her voice, which had so far been fairly relaxed, now got an edge of tension in it. My client had left me a message. He congratulated me on finding the apples, and now told me he wanted me to work for him exclusively. I had to find a long list of things and deliver them to him, and as long as I cooperated, my mom wouldn't be hurt. I don't even know how he found her. I had moved out of the house at that point, and very few things connected us. He must be some kind of super detective. Maybe. Did he tell you what these items were for, and what to do with them? Not what they were for, but yes, he told me where he wanted them. I've dropped every item off at a place north of San Francisco. I've been sort of working my way back here. The chalice is his last item on the list. What house is this? Did you meet your client? Andrew flipped open a notebook. Do you have an address? It's a little different than that. He's not... He's not even alive, I think. I've only really spoken with his disciples. It's a sort of cult, I guess. People in the same clothes having meetings and talking about living forever. But sometimes... The guy I think of as my client. He possesses someone and speaks through him. I think he's a ghost or something. Jim nodded and lit a cigarette. I had a feeling there would be something like that. A spirit wanting to get back to life in some way. 
All of the items seemed to be connected to bringing back the dead or living forever. The apples even do too, Andrew said. They could be some kind of versions of the apples the gods ate in the Norse mythology to stay young and fit. So your client wants to live forever, Feline said. So is he going to release your mom when you deliver the chalice thing to him? I hope so. If he returns to life and double-crosses me, he'll find out just how much damage I can do to a living body. Rhea gritted her teeth. Relax. I've got a lot of experience in dealing with spirits. One could say I have a special connection with them. Jim blew out smoke. If you will let us help you. I think I speak for all of us when I say we would like to. Not only to protect the chalice and help our friend and the police force out, but to get your mom back. Rhea looked from Jim to Andrew and finally to Feline. Exactly what kind of help do you suggest, then? I can still just jump back to the museum, grab the chalice and hand it in tonight. But you don't know if he will double-cross you. You also don't know what will happen if this particular spirit gets a physical form. Jim gestured around the room. Our office had to move due to a spirit getting physical. It wrecked your office? That and tried to kill us. Long story. But if your client is half as bad as that one was, I don't want to loosen my city. I guess I can understand that. But again, what do you suggest we do? I suggest we talk to Inspector Charles and get permission to bring the chalice out for a day on the town. Or if not, find an extremely well-made copy. We bring it up to your client, and then we bust in on him. And how exactly are you going to bust in on a ghost? A spirit. They prefer that term. We have different approaches, but the last time, this was enough. Jim reached behind his desk and pulled out his sword. He put it on the desk and watched Rhea's eyes widen. That's beautiful. Where did you get that? I took it off a guy claiming to be a fallen angel. But it's banished a spirit before, so I suppose it can do so again. But I can't just walk in with three detectives and say you're my assistants. Not to be rude, but you guys don't exactly look like thieves. No, you'll walk in with one assistant. I suggest Feline or Mercedes, who you haven't met yet. The rest of us will find another way in. And when we do, we'll see what we can do about this spirit who wants eternal life.